reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Seeky. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host. And the 2023 draft recap is here. The 2023 draft is over. It was a fun one. This is... This is the most excited I've been for a draft yeah. recap, probably since 2020. You know, when I was an Andrew Thomas guy, right? You get Xavier McKinney in the second round. I liked how their day three went. Um, I am really excited to talk about this draft class. Like, I'm giddy. Mm-hmm. I'm giddy. Like, this is a like this this is a important episode, obviously. So, like, our second most listened to episode of the year every year, and I am excited. Like, if you are a new listener, if you've been with us since 2019, I'm just excited to talk about this draft class because. I really, really love how it went. Bobby Skinner, man, this is really freaking cool. What a cool weekend. Um, I'll give some thank yous at the end to everybody in the crew and all of you. Um, But cool weekend for our New York football giants. I love repeating lines over and over again. The New York football giants are a much better team. And it's also a really good time to be a New York football giants fan, man. Um, If I were to kind of just put a this draft class into a phrase and then now we'll get right into talking about this, you know, kind of just big picture quality over quantity. The roster is in a much different spot than where it was last year. They needed bodies last year. They had no money to do anything. It was a new regime. We needed to get some of the old stuff out and the new things in. And now that this is Joe Shane's second year, Um, They kind of have the building mostly put together. They have the staff mostly put together. There is continuity. There is good continuity for the first time in a long time, not just fake continuity with Jason Garrett and running it back with Joe Judge, right? Or running it back with Pat Shermer after 2018. This is good continuity that we believe in. Um, This is really, really cool. And we got quality football players. And what was your draft day speech? The New York football giants are in a spot where they need good football players on their team. And at least with these top three picks and these top three 100 picks, you can see the path as to those guys being good football players, what their roles are going to be, clear defined roles at good positions that the Giants need. Yeah, they got what they want, especially on day two. Like they, It's well known that they wanted one of those four wide receivers and then yeah. that run happened on, on day one. But they came out of this getting what they wanted. You know, Now they had to sacrifice some you know picks to get there and we'll talk about that i do want to talk about trades just as a big picture thing with that but i mean you get an elite athlete day one at a premium position who fits what you want to do mm-hmm. day two was just amazing we don't need, like we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll break it down you know day two was just to come away with john michael smiths and jalen hyatt that is amazing and then day three more so than since 2020, and even I think more so than 2020, I think we've got some potential yeah. in day three, especially with Eric Gray, the running back at Oklahoma. I, I'm very confident in that pick. All without having a fourth-round pick, too. Yeah, and then Trey Hawkins, man. I, I'm excited to get to that pick because I'm I'm very excited about yeah. him, even though, 
hey, he, I'm not predicting he's going to be great, but I'm excited yeah. about him. I ask for fun on day three. You know, not boring or at least give me something that you do well and I can kind of look forward to and I can look forward to watching in camp in the preseason and man do all for those guys that we took on day three have something that I'm really excited to see unfold in camp in the preseason. And, you know, throughout this draft process, they have they got three guys who were mocked to them in the first round, mm-hmm. not like just giant, you know, fan mock drafts, like real mock drafts. Like John Michael Smith was the most mocked to uh, player for the Giants at pick 25. Obviously, you get Deontay Banks in the first round. Jalen Hyatt. Now, we were afraid of the Jalen Hyatt mocks in the first round. Um, and I think he went where he where he belonged, but he was someone that was mocked there in the scenario of what exactly happened. Yep. Is that the four top wide receivers were to go off the board? That was the scenario where Jalen Hyatt was mocked to the Giants, not over guys like Zay Flowers or uh, Jordan Addison. It was if those four guys are off the board, you saw Jalen Hyatt put there. So and to, so to get three guys that were mocked to you in the first round, like that's that's a uh, a win now again we, huge win uh, we, i want to talk about the trades and stuff like that and just big picture and hit it from all sides but really excited so i mean are we ready to talk about you know the trades and then we'll go player by player no i well i kind of want to talk about the draft class continue to talk a little bit big picture stuff um giants were given the fifth most most athletic draft class via next gen um three players with an r- relative athletic score above 9 even John Michael Schmitz you know how much does it matter for offensive linemen i think it matters because you know, even so like Josh Azudu with the quick feet last year i think they do value athletes at in at the offensive line spot but even JMS has a 7.9 score um Eric Gray isn't known for his pure athleticism anyway but his 10 yard split was definitely above average when you kind of split it up between his 10 yards split, 20 yards split, and 40 and 40 yard dash and those percentiles. So, uh, the th- one of the themes of last year's draft class uh, was athletes and getting athletes and getting guys that are fast and that and, and and speed. And one of the things that Joe Shane said, I think this is after maybe day one or day two, maybe even the day two press conference. Joe Shane said, "Hey, we looked at the tape last year." A shot to Kenny Galladay, maybe. Um, we looked at the, the tape. La- <laughs> yeah. uh, we looked at the tape last year, and one of the things that we really felt like we needed was speed, speed, speed. And the NFL is a you know a growing game. The athletes are only getting more athletic, so the Giants are buying into that. Um, and it's definitely you know the second year in a row where they are buying into that athletic profile, profile, and also top thirty visits. Yeah, top thirty visits. Like we knew coming in, like that was a theme. That is a theme. With yeah. this regime, you know, and it's so frustrating to me because Trey Hawkins was a top 30 visit and I didn't have all 22. I had like three players on my catch up list that I do in the last week. Mm-hmm. He was on it. He was one. Of, didn't uh, get to it. He, he was the th- uh, one of the two, one of the three that I didn't get to. Like mm-hmm. I got an, like another 18 done this week. He was one of the three that I didn't get to. But uh, I, I got to him now and I'm excited about it. So, yeah, top 30 visits are are very important to and maybe that can transition us into trades yeah so let's talk about trades um the giants gave away six picks for three players uh the one round three pick 100 was for darren waller right that was obviously a month ago so not going to go deep into that so they made two trades picking uh trading away their first round pick 125 a fifth round 160 seventh round 240 for deontay banks to move up one spot and then for jalen hyatt they traded away the 89th pick and the four and then their fourth round pick to jump up 16 spots so obviously the jalen hyatt one was more dramatic uh last year we were on this podcast starting about trading down 
where they traded down twice and added a mm-hmm. lot, uh, a lot more picks. And there was an opportunity for them to trade down in this draft too. The yeah. Bills offered pick twenty seven and one forty. Uh, yes, yeah. Bills offered you know so they would have had the drop back two spots and then get pick uh, one forty, which is a which is a fourth round pick. So there's positives to, and negatives to both. Like last year when you traded down uh, from pick thirty six. Maybe they wanted Christian Watson. When they got to that point, Christian Watson's not on the board, right? So there's positives and negatives to both, and I want to hit it uh, from both sides. And obviously, because it's a new regime, we're happy. We hear more positives, and I get it. Like, again, I talked about, you went and got three guys who were mocked to you in the first round. Yeah. Like, that's when you trade up, Um, especially the Jalen Hyatt. Again, you were taking a big trade up, and you gave up a fourth-round pick. And this roster needs difference makers. And they kind of need it now. The Giants aren't in win now, but they're not in, okay, we're expecting to get worse mode. You know, the right is that a right evaluation of the Giants roster? Yes, but I, I don't I don't say like win now, like we gotta go for it. Right. This and that's year. what I said. They're not in win now, but also the expectation is, hey, the expectation is to not kind of get worse, at least from an, a performance standpoint. Maybe not wins and losses because the schedule gets harder. So they need difference-making players, and that's what these top three guys can do for this year and then also for future years as well. But right. keep going. But I want to do I do want to push back on the, well, these, these picks, these day three picks, they're probably not going to be pl- good players, right? And I agree with that, right? Like there's less than a 50% chance that those guys are going to turn into good players or solid players, um, you know, but if Joe Shane is a good general manager, right, he's going to have to hit on day three picks. Right. Like Dave Gettleman was the worst, uh, you know, w- one of the worst day three uh, draft evaluators we've ever seen. And he still got, you know, in one draft class, Julian Love and Darius Slayton. So you say, hey, these fourth and fifths don't mean much. Well, if Joe Shane is a good GM, he's going to hit on day three picks. You could have possibly just traded away Darius Slayton and Julian Love to move up 16 spots for Jalen Hyatt and then one spot for Deontay Banks. So you got Daniel Bellinger in the fourth round last year. So they are valuable, and the whole idea is more darts, right? Like, they're not likely, but the more darts you have, the better yep. chance that you hit on one of those guys. Lottery, lottery tickets. So yep. uh, the Gi- And the Giants aren't in a, a like, hey, did they want to get their guys? They got their three guys. But they're also not in a position where they're three guys away. Like they need to build up this roster. Yeah. There's a lot. There's still depth issues on this team on almost every single position of the field, besides wide receiver. And even wide receiver, you don't have that one guy yet. Right. And you got a lot of guys on expiring deals, or or you know Slayton's on a two year deal where you can get it out of out of it after one year. So, and in the in the right now, like they traded away their fifth round pick. Right. They got Eric Gray with their second fifth round pick. What happened one spot before that? The yeah. Bucks jumped the Giants for a top 30 visit, and you see Brian Dable a little bothered when they're making that pick. Visibly frustrated. They, tra- they jumped him for a top 30 visit in Payne Durham. Now, we love Payne Durham. Yeah. Like, if they had that fifth-round pick that they traded up for Deontay Banks, Payne Durham might be a Giant yeah. right now, or some other player that they yeah. really like. Now, the seventh-round pick for Deontay Banks, I don't care about. But, so for me, I personally disagree with the Deontay Banks trade moving up one spot because I think there were good players available and everyone brings up Joey Porter Jr. But I think there were other players that were there that to me were better players than Deontay Banks. But if they stayed at pick 25 and Deontay Banks is like, hey, that's their guy. Go Mm -hmm. and get him. And they obviously got him at 24. But some of those other players weren't at positions of need. Um, 
because again, Payne Durham might be a giant and maybe you get Miles Murphy, who I personally think has all the ability in the world to be a right. great defensive end. Now, defensive end isn't the huge need on the Giants right now. But again, even though we want to win now, we are not in win at all costs right. now mode. Right, for sure, for sure. I, I personally don't mind both. The thing that I do mind... I don't mind the trade-up for Banks, but it's I see the negatives in well, it. And I, and I think it's a philosophical disagreement it's not like oh i wish that i i'm i'm mad that the giants did this or did that i think it's you just don't agree with the philosophy i think that's no, where it really comes I, from I, it, for to trade at one okay would you would rather have done what they did trade at one spot or taken the bills off for the drop down two spots and get a fourth round pick <sighs> because i guarantee if we did that with the bills i think most people would be praising it yeah yeah, like uh, if, if that honestly, happened, we would be well, on this podcast praising it. And well, here's the thing: else would be agreeing. Well, here's the us. thing, man they they felt a certain way about Deontay Banks, right? Right. So I I'm can't say- I can't answer that I can't answer that question. I know, but there's there you know? there is there is negative effects to it. Like we the they those picks do yeah. matter in some sense. If They're Deontay not, Banks is you know this isn't trading Darren Waller straight up for round three right one hundred right right, but it, it this does really just rest on Deontay Banks and is Deontay Banks going to be that future CB one that you draft a corner in the first round to be yeah that that's really what it rests on. I don't mind it from the sense of if you get that CB one and if he is a CB one, I'm not going to look back at it and I'm not going to sweat that fourth rounder. But in in the, in the moment either. you do think about it, but here's what I do. But fifth here's rounder. what I do mind fifth rounder. Here's what I do mind right. Yeah, the Jalen Hyatt was the fourth round. Here's what I do mind: that the not only if we're able to figure out that Joe Shane and the Giants really do draft their top thirty visits, then definitely the rest of the NFL has because Payne Dorham not only was he a Senior Bowl guy, he was a top thirty visit, so he was both. So there is that is a clear sign. It's two years now where if you're a top thirty visit for the Giants. You are more than likely definitely on their draft board. And the only one, I would say, out of the top five picks that was not a top 30 visit. Well, no, even this even includes Trey Hawkins, right? He Trey was Hawkins a, was a top 30 visit. That's why he was on my radar before yeah. the draft. So Trey Hawkins, so he was even the six-round pick that was a top 30 visit. But Eric Gray was not a top 30 visit, but he was a senior bowl guy. So they all, you know, every single team meets with almost every single player at the senior bowl. So that's still a guy that they had a relationship with. So... Um, that is the that is the and it, again, it's a small little critique. It's a small little thing, but you know it's something that you know maybe the rest of the NFL is figuring out. If there's a player that t- like the Tampa Bay Bucks, if there's a player that they want, jump the Giants because they because you know there's a guy in the top thirty visit that's still available day three. There's a chance that the Giants are going to get him, and that's what happened there. With I think pretty damn sure we were saying it on stream. That's what happened with Payne Durham. But uh, I think uh, at this point. We're we're split we're splitting hairs with that. Yeah, but I think I just, you got to analyze it. But I, yeah, I just want to show everyone the other side of it. It's not like a, how could they do this? I just right. want to show that there there is negative side effects to it. Let's get into Deontay Banks. Why don't you read an ad first, though? Oh, I'll read an ad for sure. I'll read an ad for sure. And uh, this episode is sponsored by Hello Fresh. Say hello. hello. To the Giants' Hello, new fresh. prospects. Fresh new prospects. And fresh new prospects. And you're about to get some fresh new food. And it's very, very easy to make because HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime this spring by delivering pre-proportioned ingredients and easy-to-prepare recipes right to your door. Skip the checkout lines because HelloFresh has dinner covered, I will say. I mean, I, I kind of want to have a hot boy summer. Uh, I, I want to go out. Um, you know, really, this is like the first time that we actually get to kind of have an off season. 
I want to do things. I want to go places. I want to bowl. I want to go to the beach. I want to travel. So if I'm out during the day and then I get home, maybe a little late, I'm going to get some HelloFresh that's basically ready to rock and roll right in my fridge. HelloFresh already comes to you cool in travel. So then you can just easily put in your fridge. All the ingredients are there. I'll easily cook up my meal and I'm ready to, I don't know, what's on TV. I'll rewatch Lost for the 17th time. Rewatch the draft recap. Rewatch the draft recap. That's what I'll do when I'm eating my HelloFresh. They have 40 recipes and over 100 seasonal and convenience items to choose from each every single week. And this May, HelloFresh is celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So try their, for a limited time, authentic recipes creating in partnership with some fancy chefs. How about that? And enjoy a cultural taste tour right in your own kitchen. Go to HelloFresh.com slash World16 and use code world 16 Holy shit. For 16 free meals plus free shipping. I'm is this right? Is this ad copy right? That's HelloFresh.com slash world16 and start using America's number one meal kit today for 16 free meals. That's pretty fr- oh, I almost dropped an F bomb. Pretty freaking sweet. Thank Let's you. talk about Deontay Banks. All right, so Deontay Banks, we won't go as in depth, obviously, we did on the Friday's pod if you want to get the round one recap where we hit it from Probably too many angles. Yeah. Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland, six foot 197 pounds, elite athlete, right? Like as good an RAS score as you can have, four, three, five, 40, 42 inch vertical jump. Um, elite athlete who played a lot of press coverage in college, which a lot of colleges, it's a corner can be hard because a lot of these uh, corners don't get to play man coverage and they play in these cover three hang zones. He played a lot of man coverage um, and he has the strength and the speed to pull it off. Right, like he's got the speed to hang with any wide receiver. He's got the strength to jam you up, and we, we, you know, if you check out the film breakdown, there's some really good reps, including one versus Marvin Harrison Jr. jamming the game up. But Justin, he is a a guy who needs to clean up his game a lot. Like I do think there's going to be some rookie struggles with him. Obviously, he's picked 24, so you know he's not a perfect prospect. But again, a great athlete who just moves around the field effortlessly in both man and zone. Um, the main issue for me, Justin, is he, he loses the release a little too often, and then he's has all the traits to be a great recover corner, but right now he just doesn't play it that well. And then he has some of the worst penalties in the class, like unnecessary. Like it's one thing to be a grab and you get caught here and there. There's plays where he's just straight up like tackling wide receivers because he gets beat, you know, and that's why the 30-plus yard uh, play uh, stat can be a little skewed and out of like all the top corners he is the one who gave up the most touchdowns with four so like Deontay Banks will be good like really like his grade is great on film and then the the negative plays can be consequential which again is which I, I see rookie struggles um, but like we said on the Friday pod is like I'm so excited to see Jerome Henderson yes. and Mike Martindale work with the traits that he has it's not like he has this elite traits and just trash film he has these elite traits with some really bad film, but some really great film, too. Yeah. Joe Shane talked about this is before the draft, how Joe Shane talked about getting to know Wink Martindale more now that there was a full season of tape, you know, with Wink Martindale as the defense coordinator with the Giants, with this specific roster, you know, with this specific schedule and, and everything like that. Um, and also making the moves for Wink Martindale kind of during the season, understanding what he needs and what he wants and what he values in a defense. I think this is a draft class that understands a lot better what Wink Martindale likes in the defense. And I think it leads off 
with Tay. And I'm calling him Tay, by the way. I'm adopting that. It's, I got so used to calling him Deontay Banks that even though his he goes by Tay. I like it. It'll, it'll be able, by the way, great names in this class for like, you know, the Banks is close. Mm-hmm. Jalen Highlight Hyatt. Yeah. Trey, oh, we got to do that shirt. Trey Ball Hawkins. Like we got a lot of... Uh, we got a lot of good nicknames. Yeah, for place. sure. For sure. But his trump card, right? You know, his trump card is his speed. John and, Boy Media Schmitz. And his athleticism. John Boy Media Schmitz. There you go. JM. JM Football. Check it out. John Michael Schmitz Breakdown. Go check it out. Uh, Deontay Banks. His trump card is his speed. Um, and we know that uh, at least Joe Shane loves the guy with speeds. I would have thought, and this is why, like, draft night, I was thinking Joey Porter Jr. because of length. And I was associating that with Wink Martindale. But I think the perfect way to marry kind of what... Joe Shane values, at least looking back at some of the, you know, picks that they maybe had in Buffalo. And then also, you know, the 31 and 3H, 3th inch arms is not short. You know, that is way over the, you know, the kind of that requirement of over 30 inches that we talk about all the time. So yeah, I think this was a like perfect 30, way. It's not like long arms, but they are what you, they're like, third, that's fine for yeah. an outside corner. I think Deontay Banks is the perfect way to marry what Wink Martindale is looking for, especially with that man coverage experience, and then also what Joe Shane values in that pure athleticism. Um, and I am really excited, really excited that we can now, and this is with all these players, that we can now invest in our coaching and that we can trust our coaching to develop these players. Because, man, that has been, especially during the Gettleman era, and especially as since we started podcasting and doing this Talking Giants thing, that has been such an issue where we have not been able to fully trust or we've just simply said, man, I hope the, this guy needs coaching and he needs to v- develop here. We didn't see that a ton. Even with Dexter Lawrence through the first however many seasons of his career, it took him four years for Andre Patterson to really unlock him. In particular with Jerome Henderson. Yes. But he, always, he always did it, though. But That's the what thing. I'm saying is through different regimes where Isaac Adam, who's a very bad corner, was playable. Yes. Fabian Moreau, who wasn't on a team, came in yeah. and... While Adore Jackson was playing, was was solid. Yeah, you know, getting Cordell Nick Flott, McLeod again, not on a team. Yeah, like <laughs> Cordell Flott coming in and being like again playable, not yeah. not going out there and playing great, playable. Obviously, Flott, we have hope for. Well, you know, there's a lot of hope uh, there for him. But as a rookie, like you know, rookie corners really really struggle, and so to get these guys and come and be playable, and having Adore Jackson still, yeah. I think helps out Deontay Banks a lot as well. So it's like, hey, he's going to be on wide receiver mm-hmm. twos, um, you know, just like you can shade McKinney over the top on on those guys. So, uh, so speci- obviously Andre Patterson's a great D line coach. He's been known that, but like specifically on this staff, Jerome Henderson, yeah. at a position where if you're not coached up well as a rookie, man, it can it can straight up ruin you. It does, and it, it has happened to, to players in the past for sure. So I'm really excited to see what Deontay Banks can do with Jerome Henderson and what makes Deontay Banks different from some other corners that we've taken in the past, like, and I'm talking about during Jerome Henderson's tenure, this is uh, Darnay Holmes, this is Cordell Flott, this is Aaron Robinson, Deontay Banks is going to play right away and he's not you can baby him like you said by kind of putting a safety over the top and you can uh, baby's a baby's a harsh word you can help him out you can help him out by doing that stuff but also dude there are some expectations for Deontay Banks this year not the world but there are some expectations for Deontay Banks to go out there and have moments this year and to show development and to show some sort of promise so that is the difference between Banks and your typical second third round rookie corner um, that this guy is expected to eventually develop into a CB1. So those moments need to start to happen kind of this year. Yeah, and he's got all the ability in the world. Absolutely. You know? um, so we should, even if there is struggles, we should see flashes yeah. of really good. I'm excited. I'm you really know, excited. If, if Listen, if, he, after, if, if his rookie season's over 
and one you see just growth throughout the season. Yeah. And you see flashes of really good, but there's some bad in there. That's good. Now, if it's a rookie year where it's just it's struggle city, mm-hmm. then it's a little worrisome because cornerback is a position that is it's very it's a very tough transition from corner uh, college to the NFL. Now, what Banks has on his side is that he's been put in those press man situations a good amount. Yeah. Um, and when you put him in zone, and I actually got heat for this, but like go look at the number the numbers back it up too. Is that right now? Even though he is a man corner, he's better in zone. Like he plays more free. He can. He's like he's more of a playmaker yeah. in zone. Like most of his pass breakups came in zone. His only interception came in zone. His better completion percentage is in zone because hey, he's not worried as much. A lot of the stuff stems from the release. Mm-hmm. He's playing a lot more free. And there's even times where he's making like extraordinary plays where, hey. I see that ball going. That's not even my zone. I went and go and attack it. You know, if, uh, you know, closing the cushion from the outside to uh, a seam, a, a, a slot wide receiver going up the seam, like some good stuff like that. So, Deontay Banks, welcome to the New York Giants. We're excited to see you in camp and get to work. Yeah. Next, I, I've been, I'd, I'm so sad that we had to wait to talk about this guy because there's, <laughs> This there again. There has not been a draft pick by the New York Giants. I've been more excited to talk about since Andrew Thomas, and that is round two, pick fifty-seven. No trade up, no nothing. Minnesota center John Michael Smith. Like it makes me so happy that we are recording this podcast, and I'm getting to say that name, mm. and not in the context of I would have taken him there. Like it, I don't. Again, I have not been as happy about a pick since Andrew Thomas yeah. in 2020. And did you? So, you know, we streamed every single second of the NFL draft. I knew that it was going to be him. We did it for a little bit, though, when the Bears traded up ahead of oh, us. Oh, shit. We need yeah, a lot true. of offensive line help. And they actually got one of my guys, Tyreek Stevenson, the spot before. Yeah. But, the but after Bear- that pick was made, I was like, this is John Michael Schmitz. Yeah. But I mean, again, the draft goes weird. Teams do things you don't expect. So it was like, I was just. Please say, Lawrence Tynes, please say those three words, John, <laughs> Michael, and Smiths. I need it. John, Jacob, Jinkerheimer. Just kind of telling the story of him as an eval for us. I do a midseason mock draft every year. Mm-hmm. I, Grump, who was on the stream with us, I was like, check out this guy, John Michael Smiths out of Minnesota. He's like one of my guys. Um, you know, and he was one of those guys who like went before my pick in the second round. And then we go down to the senior bowl. There's high ex- higher expectations for Osiris Torrance at the Senior Bowl for yep. offensive linemen. He not only went down there and was the best offensive lineman. He's one of the best players. In my opinion, he was the best player. Yeah. Like, I, I can't name a player who went down there and played and was just a better player than John Michael Smiths. I think he has better offensive line film than anybody in this class named, not named Peter Skaronsky. Like, obviously, uh, Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones deserve to go ahead of John Michael Smiths. Younger, tackle, Position, more, yeah. you know, more athletic, more upside. But John Michael Smiths, to me, had the second best film out of any offensive lineman in this class. And at the Giants' biggest position in need. And again, this was a guy who was talked about at pick 25 in a serious manner. You get him, We didn't have any centers on this roster. And to me, you got the best interior offensive lineman in this class by a good margin. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, this this guy is a center. We're not talking about, oh, he's a guard. You know, he, maybe he has you know, the, his 2020 season, his 2021 season. He, he, had some, he had some center snaps. He had some center games. He had some experience. He's got to make the transition over. No, this dude's a center. And we got our center. We got it. 
We got him. When's the last time? I, I love saying this. Here, here we go. Being a typical Giants fan. When's the last time besides, you know, that you could say that the Giants just had a, a pure flat-out center? And it's a shame that, you know, Nick, Gate, Nick Gates' leg snaps in half, and then all that's kind of like lost for him. But, dude, this feels really good. And I kind of had like a I kind of had like a, a, a pander moment um, on, on Twitter today. But, I mean, I think this is true, right? Let's look at the biggest four investments on the Giants' offensive line. And the four... Four of the projected starters, right? Andrew Thomas, pick four of the NFL draft, first round. Premium value, premium position. John Michael Schmitz, pick 57. Second round. Josh Azudu, pick 67. Projected starting guard, early third round. Evan Neal, pick seven. Premium position, high value, top 10 pick. We have been begging, 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 begging for what feels like a half century for the Giants to invest in an offensive line. They have done it with the draft capital, and then even you include Mark Lewinsky, who, you know, they're paying a good amount of money to be a guard and to be a solid guard. They're, they have put the investment in the offensive line. 80% of the offensive line are top 75 picks. Now it's just time for these guys to go out there and be good players. Yeah, and that's what John Michael Smith is. I thought he was the only center in the class who should come in right away and start. And that includes Joe Tipman, who went. Yeah, because he is a center. This guy, he, 35 career starts, only missing two games, one because of injury, and then one because he opted out over the last three seasons. He is a center. And just, awesome. let's just talk about him as a player, his film. Like, to me, this is what stopped him from being a first rounder, is his athleticism is solid, but it best. It doesn't have the fastest feet in the world. And then pass protection, like he needs to be quicker sliding to the point of attack. Like he lets guys get to that half man. We even saw that a little bit down at the senior bowl. Some fake one-on-one reps, but nonetheless, it, it did happen. But once he gets his hands on you, game over. The rep's over. You might as well quit. You might as well just start getting your hands up and trying the bat passes down because the rep is over at that point. He locks hands on. He works hand replacement. His feet work together well. He can work the hop step if you get a good powerful bull rush against him. So in pass protection, again, he needs to slide his feet to the point of attack better. If he doesn't do that, he's going to have issues. And I do I do forecast some rookie struggles in pass protection. In the run game, I do not. I think this guy's going to come in day one and be a really, really good run defender in every single type of uh, play that you run. You know, like the only thing he's not as athletic as Joe Tipman to run out on the pin yeah. and pull, but you can use him in that type of stuff. And again, he fires off with good leverage, good posture, and a nice a nice punch and his hands work really well working leverage. He has a wrestler's background mm. and you put him on reach blocks. Not only is he going to get to the spot, he will bury your ass because yeah. on those reach blocks, defense alignment are shifting their weight, and he will put your ass in the ground. And if you're, and if you're not, he's going to turn his shoulders or turn the defense alignment shoulder. He's going to flip his hips around. Um, and he has just that when it's just those single drive blocks or double teams, like great punch and placement gets that initial good uh, punch. And again, the wrestler background understands leverage and angles to win that. Mm -hmm. um, negative in the run game would be getting to the second level. Like he's hit or miss uh, with his target, like getting to the target and timing of it, and he can be a little herky jerky. Uh, but again, I thought this guy was awesome. Like I, he was my want, want, want. Started, you know, Friday, Friday before the draft starts, like somehow, some way, like mm -hmm. talking about trading up. Yeah, you were like you were willing to trade up for JMS. Yeah, I would have traded up for John Michael Smith if we needed. You didn't have to. You get him at fifty-seven. We talked about it in our offensive line preview that like. It's not crazy that he might fall 
and yep. he fell and the Giants got him man and I, I again I haven't been happier about a pick since Andrew Thomas in 2020 all right so let me even I hate to go this way why am I going this route Justin but I feel like maybe we gotta um you see we see a lot of the time interior offensive linemen struggle year one it's almost like beginning to be like a cornerback conversation like the two positions that may struggle out of the gate quick is cornerback and interior offensive line I mean I think you saw it with Kenyon Green a little bit who who you know he was your draft crush last year um is center different from like that guard spot Josh Azudu came out and really looked bad but then he sat for a couple weeks and then he looked better to finish his rookie season before he suffered the season-long injury what are you projecting uh John Michael Schmitz to be so center it is it is an easier transition to the NFL as long as you have the strength, which John Michael Smith has. Like a guy like Luke Weipler, like I kind of projected him falling because like he just doesn't have the core strength to hang in the NFL. Like Mozzie Smith didn't just beat him a couple times. He beat him on every single rep. You know, a guy like uh, uh, what's the Garrett Bradbury, who was drafted by the Vikings a few years ago. We saw that when the Giants, you know, Dexter, Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence sees everybody, but that you know in particular but but Garrett Bradbury we went into that game knowing they had a struggling center even yeah. and, and coming off injury too um so he doesn't have that strength issue but again like I mentioned with the negatives in the past pro sliding his feet get like you got to get to that point of attack once he gets to the point of attack I'm f- he's gonna be fine right um and there'll be some struggles like we're playing we talked about it during the stream NFC East, the defensive lines are nice. That's and where we, my brain's going. We to. talked about the Cowboys adding guys, the, the Eagles. Guess what? Everyone wants to talk about those two guys. The Commanders have the best one out of the, <laughs> the division. Yeah. You know, with with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Uh so yeah, there's don't not expecting perfection coming in, but we got a really good center, and I think yep. he's gonna be like a Pro Bowl level type player. Love it. All for it. Rock and roll. I, I don't want to move on because I just want to sit here and talk about John Michael Smith's I know. all day long. But Film breakdown on JM football. Yeah, make sure it's I seen I had a couple people ask about it. It is on the John Boy Media Football Channel. By the way, all the film breakdowns are sponsored by yeah. Manscaped. Ooh. The draft is here and the most exciting prospect is the prospect of being perfectly groomed head to toe with our friends at Manscaped. And that's that's pretty good because I'm pretty excited about the prospect of John Michael Smith. Mm. Manscaped has uh, long ha- uh, has long had their lawnmower 4.0, but in 2023 they have the beard hedger to ensure the face of your franchise is a pretty one. Have you seen John Michael Smith's clean shaven? A lot of people said he looked like me. I don't see it. <laughs> That's right. The Beard Hedger and Lawnmower 4.0 are a franchise changing combo that will have you looking at your roster with pride. The Lawnmower's skin safe technology reduces your nicks and snags while making it uh, all the right cuts on hair. Now it's time to make sure you look good out there with the Beard Hedger and its 20 positions of precision. The power, this powerful cordless trimmer helps you customize your look with a rotary wheel that has 20 lengths while use, only using one guard. If you haven't upgraded your grooming tools already, head to Manscaped for a champion-worthy roster reset. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free, plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code GIANTS. Go from Mr. Irrelevant. Do you remember Mr. Irrelevant? No. Deswan no. Johnson out of Tulane. No. Did go from remember. Mr. Irrelevant. Go from Deswan Johnson out of Tulane mm-hmm. to a first round pick like Deontay Banks with Manscaped. Thank you for sponsoring everything that we've done this uh this draft weekend. We love Manscaped. you, Manscaped. You'll Appreciate be glad it. you did. All right. Next. This is a guy everyone's the most excited about because yeah. it's, it's wide receiver and it's a fast wide receiver. So wide the Giants receiver. traded up 16 spots from pick 89, packaging pick 128 with it. Like the performance package of Manscaped. Wow. 
uh, to pick 73 in the third round for Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. And I'm almost guaranteeing that this guy was number two on their board to John Michael Smith's. Like, again, top 30 visit. They wanted speed. Like, everything that's pointed to it is one. And then they traded up 16 spots for him. Did you mention a top 30 visit? So, yeah. yeah. So, there's uh, <laughs> it was very much a clear want for him. Obviously exploded this year for Tennessee. Everyone remembers the Alabama game, five touchdowns over 200 yards. But he had uh, almost 1,300 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns this year. Um, we'll talk about him as a player. But, Justin, this changes, and with other moves this offseason, yeah. how this offense is able to play and how defenses play the Giants more yeah. more importantly than how the offense cha- plays. I hope so. How defenses <laughs> plays the Giants. I hope so. Because guess what? We were lining up in 11 personnel. With only one person, how defenses have the respect deep, and that was Darius Slayton. Now you can line up in 11 personnel, and you have Darius Slayton. You got Jalen Hyde on one side. You got Paris Campbell on the slot. You can interchange those two guys. And then you got Darren Weller, Darren Waller at tight end. Guess what? You can't cheat on anybody. You can't cheat to, uh, you cannot cheat on anybody. And especially with a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who's not going to force feed a specific wide receiver who's going to take what the defense gets, you cheat to Slayton, we're throwing to Hodgins. You cheat to the outsides, we're getting Darren Waller. You cheat real deep, we're gonna work the quick. We're gonna get back and work the quick game and work it efficiently. So this this pick helps them again. A guy who's picked at twenty five, mocked at twenty five to the Giants recklessly. This is where I had him, you know, or not had him going, but where I had him rated. Um, but you get speed, speed, speed on the outside or in the slot. Yeah, the Jalen Hyatt pick is the clear personification of why I get excited about a player like I'll get more excited about Jalen Hyatt in the third round versus the first round. like that's just that's just oh, how I yeah, operate obviously you know like when we talked about our wide receiver preview when we were talking about Jalen Hyatt we were talking about like 25 is insane we were like <laughs> if he was always projected to be a third rounder yeah. we'd be saying what we're about to say right now yeah yeah so that's why I don't really give Grades. I try and give perspective before it comes, which doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> you know, but that's just kind of how I operate as a as a football fan. I look at somebody and I'm like, well, is this guy? Where is this guy being projected to go? First, you know, first, second round. Uh, well, I don't know how I feel about Jalen Hyatt as a end of the first, early second round guy. But I mean, you're talking about this is uh, what pick seventy four. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I mean, and I, I even I just did a. I just made a bad, depressing turn to look at Daniel Jones' intended air yards per passing attempt to give myself a reminder on what it was last year. Uh, we criticized Jason Garrett and Joe Judge in 2020 and 2021 for not throwing the ball deep down the field enough. It was 7.6 and 7.2 over 2020 and 2021. Now, we liked I liked 2022's offense. It was more centered around the quick game. Um, you know, it was more yards oh, after the set stuff up deep to have stuff come under right open underneath. Right. But still, I mean, the Giants offense somehow got worse than explosive pass play rate. Like they got worse and the intended errors per pass attempt went down to 6.4. That's like it, when I say bad, it's not bad, meaning the Giants offense wasn't good. It's just bad is that's that's one of the most conservative offenses in the National Football League. And it's because interior O-line, Evan Neal at right tackle, and lack of wide receivers. We had that debate all last offseason. So now, with the investment in the offensive line, with the jump, hopefully, God willing, Evan Neal takes up right tackle, and bringing in so many wide receivers, but also, most importantly, Jalen Hyatt is a guy that is going to stretch the field. Oh, and also, yeah, everybody always forgets, uh, Darren Waller's on the team, too. 
Yeah. So let's just talk about Jalen Hyatt as a football player, uh, a slender wide receiver, and he got most of his production by simply running past defenses, right? That Tennessee offense is not transferable to the NFL, where you have those wide splits, where you have free releases for Jalen Hyatt specifically. And that's why I'm not really looking at, like, oh, he played mostly in the slot, because slot at Tennessee is not slot so in the wide, NFL. Right? Like you're play- slot in ten- at Tennessee can be outside of outside wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, the you'll, splits were so wide. You'll be, like, in the slot, and you'll be on the numbers on the field side. So I don't really look at that for him. Um, and But where you do look at is, like, limited route tree, right? Like, it was verticals. And curls. It was a track meet, right? Like it was, it was vert. And hell, he, he was, he excelled in that track. Yeah, meet. he's got well, the speed to run past you. You want to hear the line? Tennessee's offense is a track meet, and Jalen Hyatt was the track star. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, so just basically just running past people. Now it's not just simply running in a straight line. Like he set these routes up. Like he would tempo them. He would use some influence and then burst out of it. Um, and then he saw it in the curl, like the curl routes, his curl routes were really nice. Like he was able to get that vertical cell and then come back to the ball and the vertical cell kind of set up everything else in his game. Like he had some good post routes. Now, basically, unless it's a vertical, a curl or a post, any route that needs, like you need to keep momentum through the stem of it. It was very bad. Like they were, they were sloppy. They almost looked lazy at times. Obviously, they weren't coaching that stuff up at Tennessee um, with the offense that they ran. But there were some very rounded routes, very uncrisp, um, not using any influence out of it. Uh, that's the stuff that needs to be coached up on. Now, in the quick game, like those little stutter, like stutter step and go type of routes, how Isaiah Hodgins won a lot. Great in those, and obviously he's going to be a lot faster than Isaiah Hodgins. But he's yeah. like breaking down the defender and then burst cutting out of it whether it's a out a slant those type of routes but any any route that needed like hey you need to be quick in and out of this and we can't we don't have time to stutter step like you do in the quick game those struggled even like the post routes where he did get success or get a touchdown versus brian branch they weren't the cleanest ever it was just the vertical cell was able to sell uh sell them so and again we don't we've never seen him deal with press and he's slender, so there's obviously some worry there with him, but I think they're going to move him around. But something we talked about on, on the live stream is the difference of being picked at 25 and picked uh, 73. Huge. We're not expect The expectation is not to be a wide receiver one now. Correct. Correct. The expectation is not to be a wide receiver one. The expectation is to be a threat on this team yes. and to be a good wide re- and to grow into a good wide receiver too. So it totally changes the outlook on Jalen Hyatt, where if yeah. he was picked at 25, the expectation is for mm-hmm. that guy to be the guy, right? You know, if they were to draft Zay Flowers, and again, you could always come and get more guys, get get somebody else and then put together a good tandem, but him being picked here changes the expectation where, again, we're not expecting this guy to be wide receiver one for the New York Giants for the for, uh, foregoable future. Yes, that's such a great, great Foreseeable point. Foreseeable future. For such a great point. And, um, you know, I have some I have some stats for you. Um, 75% catch rate with an average of the target of, of 14. Um, that is absolutely crazy. And again, Tennessee's offense, you know, say, say what you want about it. These are still the numbers, and they're still pretty insane when you look at it. He also averaged 7.3 yards after the catch per reception. There was a 58.3% success rate on targets of 20-plus yards. That ranked number one in the FBS in 2022. And then also, this is something that's interesting, too. Uh, a good amount of receivers in college have this, or at least the top ones. Like Addison had this. I think Zay Flowers had this. Jalen Hyatt yards after the catch per reception by target depth. 
Jalen Hyatt had the most yak per reception in the deep part of the field, 20 plus yards. The deep part of the field, he he averaged uh, a yak of 11.9. The medium 10 to 19 yard range, 9.3. The short 0 to 9, 3.6. Weird. Um, and then behind the line of scrimmage, 8.9. That's not normal. Usually your deep yards after the catch is the smallest of all the target depths because you're running deep down the field. Most likely a cornerback, a safety is there and they're kind of trailing you or they're playing over the top and you're you know going up and you're going to go get a football and locate a football, right? Tennessee's offense was track meet. Jalen Hyatt was the star and Jalen Hyatt was able to just outrun everybody. And Joe Shane mentioned a few times, Bobby, I want to get your opinion on this. Joe Shane repeatedly said 4-3 speed. He ran a 4-4 at the Combine. Joe Shane sees 4-3 speed, um, and I... The tape shows 4-3 speed. Tape shows 4-3 speed. Now, he's not elite speed. He's great speed. Yeah. He doesn't have Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill speed, but he does have great speed. Yeah. For sure. I'm happy. I'm happy. The the goal is, is that, like you said, this does change the offense schematically, um, and hopefully this gives Daniel Jones more confidence to pull the trigger. That's the main thing for me. I mean, so this was a question we posed, and we'll do this very quickly. Let's say it's week 14. All the wide receivers are healthy. That means Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Wondell Robinson, yeah. uh, Paris Campbell, even Sterling Shepard. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend. We'll say Sterling Shepard's in there. So that's five guys. Yeah. Who is the guy that's getting like 10 to 15 snaps in that game? <sighs> And that's generous for a fifth wide receiver. It's probably Jalen Hyatt. I, my head says Paris Campbell. Oh, Paris Campbell was included. Wondell Robinson. Because I think they do want to get Wondell Robinson. Okay, Again, okay. We're talking well, end of the season, so yes. Wondell's back from his injury. Okay, so okay, so yeah. Because um, I think Jalen Hyatt has inside-outside versatility. Like, you know, Jalen Hyatt's not big, but he's Everybody also not small. Everybody has inside-outside versatility except for Slayton. Hodgins, you can move him in, but yeah. in reality, he's an outside wide Yeah, receiver. I kind of like the idea of Hyatt as this, again, not big, but also not small. Or, or Wandale doesn't have outside versatility. No, but I, I like Hyatt's potential to be like this big, but not small slot guy that can maybe stretch the field from that spot. We have it's seen so much harder to stretch the field from slot. In the well, NFL no, but what we have seen is safety play. We have seen Daniel Jones, you know, utilize a slot wide receiver deep, you know, member Golden Tate. I mean, yes, that's just those. what they that's just like what they did. And we know Brian Dable is willing to adapt to what the quarterback wants. And we know he's willing to adapt to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Par- there was there's a lot of names you just named. Uh, it's, and I didn't mention Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Which is like it's going to be now. Here's the thing with That's that. A, here's the thing with that question. <laughs> There's as, not going to be all, all of them are not going to be healthy with the Giants. That will take care of itself. Yeah, it'll it'll take care of himself. All right, let's talk about a steal. I hate using the word steal mm. the day after the draft, but I'm talking. I'm I'm calling this guy. This guy's a steal, and that is round five, pick one seventy two. This is the comp pick that they got for Evan Ingram. For Evan Ingram. So th- you know they traded uh, away one sixty to to for the Deontay Banks trade. Oklahoma running back Eric Gray was five foot nine, two hundred seven pounds. Had a uh, you know over fifteen hundred yards of production this past year for Oklahoma with eleven touchdowns. Uh, a guy who transferred at, from Tennessee after his first two years. I mean, he had five hundred forty rushing yards as a true freshman at, at Tennessee or a freshman. I think a redshirt freshman at Tennessee. Um, Justin, 
I think this guy is really good, and I think the reason why he was available here is he's older, which and he doesn't have like that. He doesn't have that elite speed and elusiveness, right? right? But what he does do is how running backs succeed in the NFL: good patience and vision, consistently, consistently makes the first guy miss. Now he's not going to make the second guy miss. Um, he's uh, he falls forward. He's not a banger where he's going to be running through tackles, but he does fall forward. Yeah. So those type of things are a guy I can trust giving volume to. And you know, like in my mind, thinking about Eric Gray, I look back like, okay, two years ago we drafted Gary Brightwell in the sixth round, but still not much. Uh, you know, only about fifteen picks a difference because that was an earlier sixth round pick. Uh and I'm just like, this guy is so far superior to what that was. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I think he tempos his runs extremely well. Yeah, he really knows knows when to punch the gas when he needs to, and when to play it more patient. Which that is the balancing act that you want to see. If he was too patient, then that's a bad thing, right? Then you're talking about dancing time behind the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. But he he tempos the runs extremely well, and knowing when you got to punch gas, playing more patient. He knows um, how to set linebackers up. Like he knows how, yeah. he knows how to set blocks up, influence linebackers to make cuts off. And again consistently like almost every run where it's not like three guys tackling him he makes the first guy miss with this these sharp lateral cuts and he knows how to set these guys up so not only comparing it obviously to the gary brightwell pick and how we felt about that versus how we feel about eric gray but eric gray you've there he was the 11th running back taken in this year's nfl draft here his ranking is in some key categories and some key stats compared to the running backs that were taken before him yards after contact per attempt he was seventh Runs of 10-plus yards, he was third. Runs of 15-plus yards, he was tied for third. First downs, third. Those are three stats where I'm not expecting Eric Ray to get a ton of runs of 20-plus yards, but I I do think that the Giants have an offense and also an offensive line that is developing uh, and a scheme that can allow running backs to get runs of 10-plus yards. And I view those runs as extremely valuable, especially when you have Daniel Jones as a running quarterback as well. Runs of 10-plus yards, and you know if you stretch it to 15, maybe he can get 20-plus. I think those runs for Eric Gray will be there if he can get some sort of sustainable carries over time. We saw at one point during the season, Gary Brightwell got a good amount of 10-plus yard runs. Like It can happen with good offensive line play. Um, missed tackles forced. This is a big one. Sixth out of the 11 that were taken before him. And yards per route run. Haven't talked about Eric Ray's receiving ability yet. Yards per route run. He was fourth out of the 11 running backs taken before him. That's pretty good value. Um, and definitely you can make an argument that he was not the 11th best running back in this class. He is better than that. Just, I mean, Tank Bigsby, who we uh, we previewed. To me, Eric Ray's a better back than Tank Bigsby, yeah. who went in the third round. For sure. Doug Analytics is actually in the chat saying 53% sex success rate, so which is third best yeah. in the class. Positive uh, rushing yards over expected, which that's a metric that I really like to and, look at as and well. And part of that is he does – one, he doesn't create negative plays by right. know, screwing things up in the backfield. But with that ability to make the first guy miss, he will take negative plays and create two-yard, three-yard gains, or sometimes even longer. You know, like there's some wide zone stuff that he ran yeah. where it's like there's, there's a mess in the backfield. He influences that player or breaks that tackle and then is able to get out on the edges and turn that into like a 12, 15 yard run. Let me ask you about this, because the thing with wide zone is you're already spending so much time behind the line of scrimmage that I think you kind of want to. There are times that you want to get there, get out there ASAP. Right. What kind of scheme or play design does he fit? Oh, you put him behind the tackles, like you put him in in gap and that's what I thought and and gap runs. Right. Because then that's where you have to have. Hey. 
this D lineman, he's got a two gap. This linebacker's got a fill over on this side. And that's where he's great at setting those players up, setting those blocks up, and then you're making your one cut and going. Um, and, he d- and again, he does that stuff consistently. Um, also, a lesser like a lesser talk about with him he is a solid route runner right and he mm-hmm. has very soft hands he catches the ball with his hands he, you know you can even like you know you can he knows how to influence a linebacker um you know and he can actually run a route right he's not just hey we're running swing passes or screen passes like he can run a flare route you know you can line him up out wide and he can run a slant with some good tempo um now i think he needs better blocking awareness uh but right now we're sure. not asking him to block but justin if Saquon Barkley goes down, I'm giving Eric Gray the majority of the carries for yeah. that game. Now, if with Saquon Barkley as a starting back, I'd probably rather have Brita as a backup because he's just got that speed. Yeah, good change element. of pace, yeah. But if, if Saquon Barkley is missing a game, I want Eric Gray as a starting back that game. Yeah, I, I would agree. And my biggest question for Eric Gray's rookie year is, you know, can you be efficient as a backup? Like, how, how many carries do you need to really feel like you're – you're in the flow of the game. Um, you know, we saw Wayne Gallman, a guy like Wayne Gallman. He was a ter- He was not a good backup, but then he finally got like the full time starting job when Saquon Barkley goes down with the torn ACL in 2020, and then he looks better because he's actually getting like a full workload yeah. of the game and he can get the flow of the Gallman game. Gallman so, needed the volume to be effective. Does Eric Gray need the volume to be effective? No, not necessarily, but he's going to be better with volume. Yeah, right? sure. Like, cause and again, like a lot of these running backs we look at in the draft, it's like eight yards per carry, nine yards per carry. That's yeah. not Eric Gray. He's not the guy that's going out and creating explosive plays, but then creating negatives and is averaging out to eight. Yeah, you he's know. not the guy that goes out and creates explosive plays. Yet he is still the guy that went out and created explosive plays. Well, what I mean is like forty fifth, ripping out forty fifth. Yeah, yard yeah, runs. for sure. But also, like I mean, breaking how often does breaking three <sighs> tackles? But how, how well, often does that happen, man? For college, you backs, know, it happens all the time. And, I'm, and it's in the NFL. You know, that's how often? Did, how often does that? It really, my main thing in in the running game in the NFL is, st- is stay on schedule. He's not going to break more than one tackle on a play. Fine. Now he's consistently going to make that first guy miss, but once he makes that first guy miss, unless he's just out in the open field and you got time to process, he's basically making that first guy miss and then falling forward when he gets to that second guy, sure. which is consistently going to add yards to the game. But like Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is electric and can make bam, bam, yeah. bam, and then we got a big play. So it's on again. I'm not comparing, not going to compare him to Saquon Barkley, but just making making the point in that. Yeah, very very different backs, and um, and you know, one's, one's going to keep one's you on the schedule. most talented ever. One's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, round six, pick two oh nine. But first, I figured we'd do that before the the ending to thank you. Or no, I want to do it now. I I guess I want to talk about Trey Hawkins so bad. I know we want to talk about Trey Hawkins so bad. Trey Hawkins, you hear that? Where did that come from? Um, but I want to talk to you about Lightbox because I'll tell you what what puts some light in my box is watching some Trey Hawkins tape. Is that a sex joke? Looking for some help gift uh, gift gifting. Help this Mother's Day season. That's a sentence. Let Lightbox lab-grown diamonds do all the work for you. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds. They make diamonds you'll love with the pricing you'll understand. From sparkly studs to brilliant necklaces. Uh, I can make an argument that Trey Hawkins is a sparkly stud. There, How do you like that? From sparkly studs to brilliant necklaces, these gems will make her jaw drop, whether it's for your mom or your spouse. Getting her a stunning stone from Lightbox Lab-Grown Diamonds is a guaranteed win. Get the rock in your life. The rock they 
deserves. So this year, skip the socks. Instead, become the MVP of Mother's Day with a gift that she'll never forget. Use promo code TALKINGIANTS10 for 10% off your purchase. Shop Lightbox Lab Grown Diamonds and use code TALKINGIANTS10 for 10% off your purchase. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did, and we're going to be glad that we're talking about Trey Hawkins right now. Round six, pick 209. The Giants drafted cornerback out of Old Dominion, so we ha- we lost Ocean Zimenez. We got to get another ODU guy on the on the team. And Trey Hawkins, cornerback, who is six foot two, 188 pounds, over 32-inch arms. Yep. Ran a 4-4-40, a 37.5-inch vertical jump. Justin, I don't know if this guy's going to be good, but he sure as hell is a fun player to oh, watch. So and fun. He, and here's a note I had on him. Everyone loved Corey Trice, and Corey Trice went in the seventh round. You want to know why? Because he had seventh round film, right? Like he has seventh round being able to hang with a wide receiver, and he just had the, he just had size and length, but he had some good ball protection here and there. Trey Hawkins, to me, is kind of what, Corey, what people said Corey Trice was. Not, not what the people who really, really like Corey Trice, but like the, your your average person said Corey Trice was, which is a big, long, yoked up athlete who can move around really well. While Corey Trice could run fast in a straight line speed, he had no change of direction. And again, this is he is he does have really good change of direction and is very quick with smooth hips. He's eager to pounce out of his back pedal and it has good uh, good burst. Now there's. A lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up about his game. He's got really bad awareness, bad anticipation, and zone coverage. He looks lost. But one, he is an athlete. He has the size and length uh, measure, you know, prerequisites stuff yes. like Martin did Yes. He plays with an aggressive nature. He has that change of direction. And what he's going to be brought in here to do is play press man. At Old Dominion, they barely had him play press man. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was off, man, which he had, again, a bad job, a bad time anticipating that type of stuff. Now, he's got to get better at that stuff to ever be a guy that's going to play, right? So this isn't me being like, he's going to come play press man and be great. But he, they're going to let him play what he wants to – what he's going to be the best yeah. at most. And he's got to grow, obviously. He's a six-round pick. But he is a fun-ass player to watch. He's a violent player, too. Yeah. First play I watched <laughs> of him, he's literally body-slamming a guy. And the second play, they're like him and the wide receiver are fighting. Yeah. And then in that game, you know, that was the game against Coastal Carolina. In that game, there's like four more plays where I'm like sitting back after the play, just laughing my ass off. <laughs> Trey Hawkins is just body slamming dudes. He's running dudes over. You know, he's hitting with his shoulder um, and he's being really, really stupid fun. Uh, that's the phrase that I'm going to adopt here. Uh, Trey Hawkins, he started all 25 games the past two seasons. Um, and I, in you know, according to Dane Brugler, he had a write-up on him, uh, made noticeable improvements as a senior. Um, his penalties dropped from six to only one in 2022. So I was happy to see that, yeah, he, you know, he he was a little grabby, you know, especially at the top of the route. I kind of saw that too. Um, but apparently the the grabbiness problem was worse in 2021 because 2022 only one penalty, um, which is pretty, pretty good, pretty, pretty solid. Tackling clinic. Um, I think the the epitome of what you want a physical player to be who plays hard and gives their all. If there's, you know, if there's something that you want to say in a day three player, it's a dude that plays hard. He's going to play to the whistle. He's going to play with an aggressive mentality. And oh, yeah, he's a really good athlete, too. That RAS score is above nine. Uh, Trey Hawkins wants to eat you for breakfast and then take your lunch money, too. Um, That's frankly what what he wants to do. I actually saw what's crazy is as violent as as he is, he can struggle taking off blocks. So, yeah, where he. Again, so where he struggles, one, when he's an off-man well, coverage. Well, this is what I wanted to uh, reply with, you know, kind of go at, not go at you, but can just reply with. There were some plays, and I, you know, really in-depth watched the Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina game, 
there were some plays where he was playing off coverage, whether it is in zone, you know, sometimes, you know, zone or man coverage, you know, exactly where, where you're supposed to be. You know, that's hard for me to determine sometimes. But if he's playing off coverage, I thought that he sensed some things well. Um, you know, and kind of being in two places at one time. So if there's, take for example, he's an outside corner and he's playing off coverage. The outside wide receiver is running a curl. The slot's running a fade. He's off coverage. He senses, kind of j- tries to jump the route a little bit with that quarter, with the receiver that's running that little curl route, sees that the quarterback pumps, pump fakes there, but maybe then looks at a slot and then kind of dives back, goes back, goes back to give support to the slot corner that could be get, getting beat on that fade. So I do think that there are times where his awareness is bad. And then I think like there, really are t- bad, there, there are times where I think his awareness can be there. And some of the times where I saw his awareness could be there and some of the high IQ plays, it wasn't off coverage. So you could be right. I could be right. Well, he, you know? they didn't, they, he almost, they didn't play press man off. So obviously, right. Like right. they, there was very few times where he played press man, and he did look good when he played in press man. But they lived out of off coverage at at Old Dominion, um, and there's times where, like, he's got the flats and they're running stick, and he's just not covering the flat, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's getting lost in the sauce. So again, I and there's also times where it's like he's in off coverage and they're coming up to him at the stem, and he will try and jam from like five, five seven yards deep, you and he will that. one mistime it, lunge, and then he'll get smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other negatives is like he's bad at the catch point, right? Like he's got all this leaving ability, yeah. but there's times where he just gets mossed, you know? Or yeah, there was one gets, time. Gets uh, beat on a fade. Like, yeah, there like, was one time where I was hoping it would be a tight end. Like he, you know, it was it was in double coverage. It was a good throw, good catch by by the receiver. I was hoping, I'm like, man, is this guy a tight end? Is that why he was able to go up there and get it? No, nah, it was just, it was a wide receiver that kind of just went up there and get it. And you're hoping that a guy with 32 and one eighth inch arms, he can maybe go up there and make a play. But, you know, he had a little, he had a little trouble with that at Old Dominion for sure. Beat on a corner route too. Now, and again, this is against lesser competition. So yeah. we, we also have to judge him on a bar. But what you don't have to do is is look at his size, his the way he's yoked Af- up, and the, way, and the way he can move around. And yeah. that's real deal stuff. And again, that's why I said he is what people wanted Corey Trice to be, which is a long corner who has flashes of greatness and has room to grow um, and is not losing anything because of physical ability. It's a lot of mental ability. Where Corey Trice did lose stuff because of He's like he just can't hang at 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 on with breaks, sure, right? And that's why he gave up a you know a good amount of plays at Purdue. Um, and again, there was imp- if you, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, he gave up 806 yards in 2021, 448 in 2022, which again is not good. So again, there's a lot to clean up about his game. Like he's not, we're not sitting here saying he's a good player, but he's a fun player who has an athletic profile that you yeah. can you can work with. And I you know I hate to do this too, um, you know this is with both Hawkins and Owens. Uh, there's a clear path, you know, the way that I think these guys are going to, you know, they have a chance to make the team is by special teams. And man, does Hawkins with this physical ability, I can easily see that translate to being good on special teams. And we have one of the most well-respected special we do. team coordinators in the We do. In very the, well respected in the building and in the league. Very well respected in the building. All right, let's hit round seven and close it out. Round seven, pick 243. We got uh, Oregon defensive tackle Jordan Riley, 6'5", 338 pounds. Um, this is probably the pick that was to me is the one I don't really I don't know I don't I don't have like a path for him being a good yeah. player I can have a there's a path for him to be like a fifth defensive tackle I think he's gonna come in and compete with DJ Davidson and I like him more a, slightly more than DJ Davidson um, but what he does do well Justin is one that size is is beautiful six five through thirty eight and he's not chubby like he's no. he's cut up dude like he 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 
it's a lot of muscle there with him. And 33-inch arms. Yes, and 33-inch arms. So with that muscle, with those 33-inch arms, he brings pop. And Joe Shane even said it too. He brings knockback punch. Yes. And that's what he does. He has these hands that land, knock back, extend, and can steer offensive linemen. But where he struggles is he doesn't have a great – like he doesn't have the lower body strength. So like even in pass rush, he's not going to bring any pass rush production, but you can see this in it is that he'll get good push, right, on a bull rush, but it putters out because he doesn't have the foot drive to keep driving through it. And then when you see him like face double teams, he will get beat pretty uh, – pretty like he's not going to win versus double teams. But again, what he does do well is, again, that knockback punch, raising the pads off its alignment, and then squeezing gaps down. So – Again, in, we're talking about a seventh-round pick here. He's going to come in and compete with D.J. Davidson as like that backup nose tackle. Yeah, I like him better than D.J. Davidson. Yeah, me too, where I, I see more good stuff out of him. D.J. Davidson has a better anchor and, again, lower body strength, and he's probably a little bigger too, um, You know, at least you know, uh, width-wise. Uh, so D.J. Davidson has that for him, um, but I think Jordan Riley's got like those, those good flashes there. Yeah. Now, again, he's never going to be – two and a half tackles for a loss and a half a sack the last two yep. seasons you know and he transferred a couple times from unc to nebraska, nebraska and then oregon this past season so again don't have i don't have i don't have any expectations for her, him to be on the roster in 2025 okay right fair and, and we're talking about a seventh round pick here he's also super old i think he's but i think there's a really good shot he's on the roster this season yeah yeah i think he's turning 25 in may I think that's I don't have that fully confirmed. I didn't find it on like a a good reliable site, but I mean he's been he's been in the NCAA for years. I mean, I turned 25 in March. That's the same age as me and I've been out of college. I graduated college May of 2020. So this is my like third year out of school. So I mean, I maybe because of the whole transfer thing plus the COVID opt-out year Maybe he is like the same age as me, and that's like crazy old. I'm gonna see if I could find his. Is it wasn't on the beast? He does. He's not on the beast. Remember when I, I will say Dame Brugler tweeted out that he had every single player covered on the beast. Jordan Riley is not on the beast. Well, I think his name is on there with. No, it's not. Here, I, I didn't find it. I'm gonna see something. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see something. I'm let's see. Let's see. I'm I, seeing. See I'm if, seeing something. Let's see if I, I agree with everything you said. I feel like he plays high, but that's just because he's so well, big. Well, his pad level rises throughout the rim because yeah. um, he doesn't have that lower But also, he's just so shape. big. 6'5", <laughs> 338 is insane for an interior defense alignment. He's the anti-Kalaja Cancer, some are calling him. He is. Do we have an age? Do we get it? I'm going to get it. You're going to get it. I got. Give me a ten second count. There's a there's a good uh there's a good rep that Nick Filato clipped up of uh, when Riley was at Nebraska. Just John Michael Schmitz just burying him. Uh, we got height, weight, pro day stuff. No age. Damn it, you were right. Let's. I don't know if it's fully right, but it makes sense since he's been like he in was, three schools. So he gave thirty like write ups on players. He was Jordan Riley was the thirty first. So come on, Dan Brooklyn, do the. 30. Oh, so he was on there. Yeah, he has just lists of guys oh, like okay. you know combine days with rankings, but not like write ups. Okay. Um, dang, that's like the one place to go and find guys' ages. All right, let's finish off this draft class, Justin. Oh, PFF with a safety out of Houston, round seven, pick two fifty four, Javarius Owens out of Houston. Guy played uh, in a lot of different places, box and deep, but mostly deep. A little bit of nickel too at times. Um, guy who's able to put tackles for loss, good ball production. Justin, we'll talk about him as a player, but. Just to wrap him up, 
aggression is his best friend. It's also his worst enemy. Gets him in a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. issues. But again, I, th- I think he's a confident player who does have NFL body and traits to come in and and challenge for depth, especially at the safety spot where there isn't really the, all they have is depth outside of Xavier McKinney. They don't really have a second starter level player. Yeah, for sure. Um, my my final note on him is the same as is the same as yours. Um, one of those players, you know, I could I could see I could see the coaches in a room with uh, Owens being like. I'd rather you be aggressive and maybe miss once in a while versus be a pussy. Like that's, <laughs> I yeah. think that's kind of how you summarize him as a player. Uh, senior captain uh, for this year. Started four years for Houston. 42 starts and only missed one game in his last 46 games. 361 career special team snaps. This does kind of feel like a, a special teams pick. He has an R, another guy with a relative athletic score above nine. He's a super long safety, 32 and one eighth inch arms, uh, six foot. You know, Bobby said 195 pounds. He is 23 and a half. Uh, he does not give up on plays. He has one of the best chase down efforts I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, you're talking about like this is like a 50, 60 yard play for the offense. And Owens is on one sideline. The play and the catch happened at the complete other side of the field. They wound up meeting at like the 10 yard line in the middle of the field. And at like, you, what, what speed are you playing at, man? So he is an athlete. He's going to go and get it. Uh, he has some ball production, 14 pass deflections um, over the last two years. He's got good ball skills. The frustrating yeah. thing about him is he doesn't have good hands. Like I was watching him <laughs> in versus Kansas, all, like playing from deep, tight end on and over. Great man covers, closes the cushion, fights for that inside leverage. We got an interception here, and it just goes right through his hands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I would even uh, I would even apply this to his work in the run game. Too. It really, it's it's his work. It's his work in the run game, and it's work in the pass. He has an aggressive mentality, but he has to work on like overall technique and finishing. Yeah. So like coming up as a tackler, he will lay your ass out, and then he won't. He'll miss the tackle because yeah. he's not coming in as a form tackler. Which you got to wrap. Like, got to wrap it's up. Fun, but you got to wrap up. Yeah. Um, and again, he's very eager to get, come up and fill in the run game. Now, sometimes that'll get him in the wrong fit, right? He's filling the wrong. He's not filling the alley the correct way, or he's you know bounce, you know running inside and they bounce out. Um, but he does take on blocks well with some with some good strength. Now, just playing like safety, right? Like you know, obviously, big run defense is a big part of that. Uh, in zone. I don't like it, right? He can be caught out of place, one with some over like play action. There's time where he's the center field safety and he's running up and he's right around the linebackers and they're hitting a deep post. Uh, you know, he leaves his corner hanging and they got a deep post over him. And then when he's playing in center field, has horrible anticipation. Like he's always just waiting. He's essentially waiting for the quarterback to throw it. So he's never going to be the guy to get to the sideline, even though he's he's got solid speed. It's not like a huge advantage of him, but he has NFL speed. Um, so there's that. But in, in man coverage, there's some really good reps there, too. Like, he's got the speed and quickness to stick in the hip of tight ends and man coverage. Um, he's got the length for like, tight ends, too. And again, that ability to close the cushion from off, um, you know, and can run with them. Now, there's times where he does get sauced at the break versus wide receivers playing like that nickel star role. But again, we, we're going to want to have him play tight ends. The NFL tight ends will sauce you, too. But again, we're talking about the Giants' last pick in the seventh round. So, uh, Fun. a versatile safety who's aggressive and has athlete, NFL athletic traits, which is what you talked about at the top. They drafted one of the, the, the most, what, top five uh, most athletic in the class. Yeah. And that includes a defensive tackle who's unathletic and Jordan Riley. Yeah. I am really excited to see every single. I would like to see that for skill positions like linebacker, safety, corner wide receiver tight end running back like that's i would like to see the athletic score of that because i don't like i don't even like having jordan taylor in it 
Jordan Riley, yeah. Jordan Riley, um, sorry. Yeah. No, but I am super, super excited. Jordan Riley, I mean, I'm excited to see what he does in camp and stuff like that. But I mean, Yeah, I hope he beats out DJ Davison for the fifth spot. Every single day three pick. Man, am I so excited to see Eric Gray, Trey Hawkins, Jarvarius Owens in camp, and especially in preseason, because I feel like those are those are three players like, you know, hey, you may not make it. You're not gonna, probably not going to make an impact day one, but I can easily see all three of those players making some sort of impact play in the preseason. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah. Um, Trey Hawkins is going to be fun. J- Jordan Taylor. Again, I don't see Jordan Taylor as ever making You're game. saying Taylor. Who Who is Jordan, Jordan Taylor? Taylor? I don't know. It must be some other like Jason player. Taylor? Like, yeah, maybe it's Jason Taylor. I got Jason Taylor. Was that Jason Taylor's son that yeah, was we, drafted? We were, we, we were asking about that. Jordan, Jordan Riley. Riley. Jordan Riley. Riley, 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 Riley. Uh, Joe Riley. Joe Riley. Jordan Riley. Uh all right, so that's that's a recap of the Giants' 2023 draft class, man. Yep. This was this was fun. Obviously, I'm up here in New York for it. We stream for every second of it. Film breakdowns, more to come. You know, Javarius Owens' film breakdown will be out Monday afternoon. Um, always fun to do this. This is always a this is a huge moment for us every year. We it's so much build up to it, um, and then to get to do it, and it was it was very fun to do it, and it happens all because of the listeners. So like it's yes, it's a. It's a this is like we always thank the listeners. We're always thankful. I think at the end of the draft is the most sincere thank you because there's not a lot of people who are going to be nichely covering the Giants like we do. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of people who cover the NFL like we do, right? And so to stick around with us. And I, I will say I learned a lot from this draft, and that was trust what you think. Mm-hmm. Trust your eyes because there was a lot like uh, Adabari, the Northwestern defense lineman. I was like – First round hype, I was like, I have them as a third rounder. He went in the fourth round. Like, that happened with a lot of guys where I'm like, I don't know why everyone's so high on this guy. I have him as like a third, fourth round guy. And it almost always was like, prove right. So it made me feel good as, as we've grown and gotten better at this. Um, and it's just been fun to grow. Obviously, thanks to the football group who joined us all three days. Robert, Robert Smith, Smith, who did some stuff on the JM football channel as well. Um, and all the you know production people. And we, we just said goodbye to Julian like an hour ago. Yeah. Like, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Julian's been our right hand man for the last two years, but I mean, really, I mean, I'll just give you, I mean, I'll just give you the straight up number over the last seven days. So you know, if this is draft week, right? Over the last seven days, the Talking Giants YouTube channel has gotten two hundred thousand views, which is pretty fucking sick. Yeah. If very, you really, if you really think about it, very cool. So how we do we grow those one? Share this. Yes. Like whether it's the YouTube, the podcast app, share this. You could leave a, a five star rating review would be huge for us. Um. I usually ask that at the beginning of this, but we had so much we wanted to get to. Yeah, we were um, so excited. So if you're still around, please do that. It's the sim- most simple way. Usually I try and threaten you guys, but I'm just going to actually nicely ask yeah. you to leave a five-star rating review. Subscribe, so I, I like the want, video. I don't want to threaten you. Don't make me threaten you. Look, see, I'm threatening people already. <laughs> don't make me. Don't The threat is don't make me threaten you. Yeah, don't make me threaten, <laughs> threaten you. you. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great threat. So it's it's been a great time. No, thank you, everybody. Um, thank you, everybody. This, finishing this podcast is always like the closing time yeah. song. Because like, really. You put so much work into it. So, But we're excited. Now I mean, it's the off season, though. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. it's really the off season. Now we're not done. Film no. breakdowns. I'm actually going to do some UDFA film breakdowns this year. And our, and our UDFA podcast. And then we. I always we we cover these next two months like nobody else does. Yeah, we will not continue. We'll do a mailbag once a month. We're not going to recycle the same topics. We're going to hit every different angle that we can. Uh, get some interviews. We're hopefully we don't have any player interviews lined up this year like we have in past years, but we have ideas of definitely of, some of, ideas of guys that we can get. So we 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 are gonna 
continue to grind. I mean, end of June, way too early draft preview. Grump mm-hmm. will join us for that. So stick around with us for the offseason. I think you will I think you will enjoy like if you there because there there's one hundred percent some people that will listen to this podcast. The next time they listen will be the week one recap. I don't right? blame them. And I get it. I a hundred percent get it. But I think you will enjoy the season much better if you hang around with us. Yeah. For the next couple months, and just put it in your day, twice a week, daily, you know, in, into your into your weekly routine. I think you'll enjoy it because talking Giants is a family. So you got to listen to these next two months if you want to be a part of the family. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Thursday for your undrafted free agent recap. We know you. We know you guys love that. Love you guys. We appreciate you. See you in Florida. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>